Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is the prolific Bobby O'Hearn. Terrific. Prolif- prolific, <laughs> terrific, etc, etc. Hello everybody. Uh, from No Monster Club, yes. who have just released their new album. I feel, no, not I feel weird. I feel, I feel magic. <laughs> the last one was People called are People weird. Are weird. It's hard to keep up though. People are magic. I feel weird. Now, yeah, this album has been called... There was a, a review the other day that called it I Feel Love. And it was like this really long, in-depth review, but it had called it I Feel Love throughout. And we were doing a, a TV thing last week and they had on the auto cue, I love magic. And I had to tell them to change it. But then when I told them to change it, I felt bad in hindsight because I Love Magic is a pretty good title too. And you love magic? I do. Yeah. I Feel Love is a terrible title, but um, <laughs> I oh, love well, magic. no, I mean, it's that, it's that song by... That woman. Gloria Gaynor. Glo- uh, Gloria Yeah, yeah, it's one of the One, one of the those. Glorious. You know, it's a really big uh, electronic song. I feel love. No? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Are you humoring me or do you no, know No, no, I know, I know the song you think you're talking about. <laughs> what a great I can hear it in my head, but... What a great start to the podcast. Me singing really, really badly this <laughs> like beloved song. The Point of Everything Karaoke Podcast <laughs> is brought to you by I mean, Squarespace. That, that, that. <laughs> Man, the goal of the podcast is to get, to get Squarespace as a sponsor. Once I get them as a sponsor, I'm just quitting. Do they not sponsor everything? <laughs> Maybe I should just get in contact with them. The other one is something, you get Mattress Mick, because one of them is beds. Loads of the podcasts seem to have like a bed company that sponsors them. Oh yeah? Mattress Mick is podcast. just across the road. No, but the Irish version could be Mattress Mick is just across the road from here. Maybe I should call in and see him. Yeah. We're in the pop-in, by the way, on Little Britain Street which uh, I was kind of talking to you about beforehand, but do you want to kind of talk a little bit more about it? it it's a cooperative yes. rather, rather than like uh, like band rental. Rooms. A rehearsal studio, yeah, which can be quite expensive. Yeah, it's, I guess, a bunch of us about where we were rehearsing in a place in Portobello up until about three or four years ago. And then we ended up getting booted from there and we were homeless for a while. And then we got funding from a large drinks company to put into a space so we got a nice sum of money that we used to soundproof this place and build two rehearsal studios and a small kind of venue downstairs and then we spent some of the money um, getting the place up to like fire code and stuff like that because we thought that if we did things by the book the way you're supposed to that we'd be able to actually put on gigs and have ourselves a little DIY venue but um, it turns out that the there's always more red tape so we like ended up putting a chunk of money into getting like the stairs realigned so that they'd be up to code and stuff. So that when the guards called around, we'd be able to say, well, look, we have the fire cert and all that. But then they'd come along to the next gig and say, well, you have a fire cert, but where's your dance license? They would just be like almost pulling things out of their hole. So then I think we had a dance license then. And then we'd have like, Imro would be in touch and say, you're not paying your Imro license fees. And we'd be like, well, we're only playing our own songs. So we're not. Yeah. Much you have to pay the Imro license if you're putting on a gig, you have to pay Imro this this uh, publishing or license fee or whatever it is, which they then redistribute to the bands. But because it was like because we're like a family of bands, we we're you know if no Monster Club's playing, we'll be playing no Monster Club songs. So we would have thought that that would be cool because there are songs. But it turns out that if you're putting on a, a concert to which the public is invited, that you have to pay this fee, which I I think. I'm not entirely sure about the how much it is, but it's. I think it's the same for a venue with a capacity of zero to 500. So 
if we were paying it for the pop in, it would be the same price. So like Wheelands would be paying or something like that, which so it was just completely unaffordable. I could be wrong on that, but um, on the pricing of it, but it meant that we couldn't put on a gig without the guards showing up, getting an email from Imro, um, and all this other stuff happening. So it got to the point where we just stopped putting on gigs. So that big studio room we have downstairs, we just use for, um, we've got a green screen down there and we just do things like that, make videos and stuff. But it's a shame we can't put on gigs. Had you put on some gigs before yeah. in the earlier days? Yeah, when we first moved in here, we had um, a bunch of shows. Um, but now it's just for kind of the occasional birthday party or a Good Friday party or something, just for, for us ourselves. Um, because if we invite the public, we'll inevitably get some sort of hassle. From who? Like just someone calling the cops on you across the street? No, not anyone calling the cops because like this area of town is so quiet that there's not a lot of residential, there's not a lot of people living around here. Mm -hmm. So there'd be no noise complaints. It would just be the police driving by and kind of wanting something to do, I think. Cause, okay. And there was, there was always like three cops. One would be the good cop, one would be the bad <laughs> cop, and one would be the, the non-speaking cop. But it would be literally as it is in like the cliche of good cop, bad cop, where one of them would be running around and um, saying, can we open this door? Like thinking there's going to be like a drug party or something, that they're going to find loads of coke or something. And obviously they wouldn't because we're very mild-mannered individuals. So one of them would be running around saying, what's going on in here? And then the other cop would be like, I don't mind him. He's 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 like this to everyone, you know, he's been an arsehole. And you guys seem to be doing a nice thing here. It's pretty cool. Like, um, and then the other one would just kind of stand there taking notes or something. But yeah, we had that a few times and it got to the point where although we weren't doing anything wrong, it just wasn't worth talking to them every time. Yeah. So like uh, you kind of got this place in the midst of the recession in like 2010 or 2011 or something. So like and, and now you were saying that it's it's been sold and it was up for sale when we moved in. Yeah. Oh, like, back in back back along. Like. Yeah. Um, but like all all of the buildings on the street pretty much are up for sale um, because the fruit market is just around the corner, which has been um, there's been redevelopment talks about that for a while so basically as soon as that becomes a sort of um kind of gentrified fruit market or like a bit more hipstery they figure this whole area of town will, will be the next cool place so all these buildings are being sold probably to probably in chunks so they can be like build apartments or something like that so we don't know the lease is up at the end of the year i think and it has been bought but we don't know if the people who bought it are going to let us stay on or if they have plans to take a dozer to the place so you guys like planning your next move like he kind of you no. don't want to be uh, <laughs> no, we haven't even talked about it really? i don't think i missed the last uh, i missed the last popical island meeting yeah because it was while the monster club was sound checking for the album launch um but maybe they talked about it but we're really we don't have our shit together that much really uh artist spaces just seem to be on the mind of so many creative people at the moment though like you know just because Ireland is, you know, on the road to recovery, that places are kind of saying see ya to yeah. the artists who've been in there, like Block T, obviously. And this is the thing that, you know, I've talked to loads of bands about, and it's interesting to see, like, their their view of it. I mean, like, are you kind of okay with having to move? No. No? No, well, I mean... Like, you're probably going to have to move out of the city centre, are you? I mean, probably, yeah, I don't know. Where, where doesn't bear thinking about it. Where were you before this? Uh, we were in loads of rehearsal rooms, like as Grand Pocket Orchestra and No Monster Club. We were rehearsing like in Vault, which is a, like a 
rehearsal place. Uh, God, where's that? It's like East Wall or something like that. And then we were in the chambers of the Central Hotel in the rehearsal room down there. And we were in the Popical Island place up at Portobello. And we were in Sun Studios in te- near the Temple Bar Music Centre. So we were moving around quite a bit. But this is somewhere that we kind of made our own and made into a little home for all the... There's like 20 bands rehearsing in here or something like that. So, um, yeah, and... If you look around, you can see there's quite a lot of gear and stuff. Yeah. So the idea of, of moving this stuff is, is a horrible thought. Yeah. <laughs> Must be um just nice vibes. So in here, like uh like you come you'd wander in like on a Tuesday or something and be like, oh that band is rehearsing, that band is here as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's real nice. Uh, like we were in me and my friend Sean were in the downstairs room last week filming for the No Monster Club charity shop video. And then upstairs in this room, the number ones were recording guitar overdubs for an EP and run-ons were in the room next door doing stuff on their album. So it was like always kind of loads of stuff going on, pretty much. But uh, yeah, it's creative environment and it's nice to be hanging with like-minded people. Because in a lot of the other rehearsal rooms, you'd be in with a bunch of bands who you wouldn't necessarily have anything in common with or, you know, as people or as musicians. Does, Does that matter, though? Um, I don't know. It's well, well, it's just, you you just like it. It's nicer, yeah. Yeah, like we it's always more homely. Yeah, we always seem to be rehearsing next door to a sort of. We were there was a covers band, like a I think they were like a metal covers band or something. We were sharing a room with in Vault, and they were called Covered in Come. Um, oh and you know, so you get bands like that <laughs> who you you mightn't see eye to eye in any. In any respect, I so probably wouldn't want to. No, definitely not. So yeah, it's definitely nicer to be with like-minded people rather than that kind of yeah. thing. And like you play in like other like we'll try we'll try and explain like everything that you do and your whole oeuvre, you know, as <laughs> as the show goes on. Like you're in Patty Hanna's band and you're in Ginnels and you're in Women's Christmas as well. That's who yeah. I've written down. Yes. Am I in? Are you, am I missing? Yeah. Well. Well. Grand Pocket Orchestra sort of became Paddy Hannah um, when Paddy kind of started writing different songs to the hyped up kind of uh, whatever Grand Pocket Orchestra was. <laughs> Fisher Price Pop <laughs> was the label. Um, so yeah, well, Paddy's now got a bit of a revolving lineup um, in terms of band, but yeah, everything that he's put out so far has had me and Mark and Enda from Grand Pocket Orchestra playing on the record. Um Ginnels is Mark's baby, um, but me, Ruin, uh, me, Ruin and Roy from Squarehead and Paddy playing his live band. And Women's Christmas is, yeah, me, Ronan from Jogging and so on, Warlords of Pez. And James Byrne, uh, Villagers and Soak and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot. So, like, was Grand Pocket Orchestra your kind of first band proper? Yeah. Uh, well, it kind of showed you the ropes of, of how it all worked. Like, I remember you guys playing um, Andrews Lane Theatre as part of Hardworking Class Heroes in 2006 or seven. I would have been there as a fan, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because I was... you joined the band. Yeah. Uh, I was doing my own thing called Dublin Duck Dispensary, which kind of became No Monster Club, but it was called that, and we played... I guess we played for like a year or two, me and two of my pals. 
Carl and Cody. Um, but I was a big Grand Pocket Orchestra fan. I used to go to all their gigs. And at some point when they recorded their album, they realized that they kind of needed an extra pair of hands to, to play keyboards and stuff live. So they, I guess they were like, why don't we ask that guy who's at the front of all of our gigs? Uh, he seems to know the songs. Um, so yeah, that's why I became part of that. Were you friends with them kind of beforehand or was it kind of that got you, you know, uh, into knowing everybody else who, you know, you joined and you started bands with then? I think I was only friends with them through, through, um, th- they came along to the first Dublin Duck Dispensary show um, in like the Academy 2 or some shit all. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think we just bumped into each other a few times from me going to their gigs and maybe them turning up to one or two of mine. That's how we came in touch. And so what did kind of Grand Pocket Orchestra teach you or what did you teach Grand Pocket Orchestra? <laughs> I mean, they, they you would have been in the band until like they kind of stopped around 2009. Um, Was it? Or are they kind of still going? Um, hiatus? We, yeah, we never, we never broke up. But yeah, just it became Paddy Hanna because yeah. Paddy was the the kind of mastermind or like the song, the chief songwriter, at least in Grand Pocket Orchestra. I had very little kind of creative input, I suppose, because I was um, doing their thing, which was great. But did it kind of stop? Were you like, was Paddy just like, you know, I need a change of scenery or, you know, I need to kind of uh, distinguish between this and that? Or is that a question uh, Yeah, Paddy? no, they were never going side by side. I can't really remember. Um, I think... Grand Pocket Orchestra released two albums, I think. And and then there was a sort of, there was a break. And then when Paddy brought his new songs to us, I think he just said that it was going to be under a different kind of iteration. But yeah, th- that's what that became. I don't really remember. And so when, when he kind of went off doing his thing, you that's when No Monster Club kind of started, or that's when Dublin Duck Dispensary became uh, Yeah, Club? I just changed the name from Dublin Duck Dispensary to No Monster Club in like 2009, and then released a couple of, solo albums and then I think for maybe the third or fourth no third No Monster Club album um, Paddy uh, said something like oh you know I've always wanted to drum if you're looking for a drummer so I thought well that'd be fun if we're playing in each other's band so <laughs> could he actually drum or was he just like <laughs> no. I just want the novelty of it, <laughs> it like. was just the novelty so he had a, a very it was like George of the Jungle on drums um, <laughs> very primal and very good style of drumming so that was the album Brain Heatwave that he drummed on and that was the first one and then Mark so so after Grand Pocket Orchestra practice Mark and Brahman would go home and me and Paddy would stick around and do No Monster Club and I think Mark um, wanted in on it so he was like can I stick around too so he started playing bass for us and that's how we became a three piece did a few records as a three piece and like I guess toured for a few years as that and then only in the past year since People Are Weird came out it's now like a five piece and Paddy's not drumming anymore um, No Man's so a five piece now Live yeah because uh, bet- it, it can vary so I like the idea that it can be like it could say No Monster Club on a bill and it might just be me and my own or it might be two, three, four, five people because they each have like they each sound so different they each have their own special little thing so if it's a five piece, it means that I don't have to play um, guitar. So I kind of have keyboards that I play intermittently and I have a theremin and a sampler. So I can add like a lot of extra bells and whistles on top, but also just 
let loose a lot more and yeah. uh, have have fun. Is that kind of a new thing that you've been doing, just kind of like learning the keyboards, learning the theremin and stuff, just because I was listening <laughs> to the new album like on, on the way into into town today and I was just kind of like, oh, it sounds, you know, a little different to um, what it was before. That's, well, yeah, that's the, so, that's the solo thing, the kind of joy of recording an album on your own is that like I can, you know, get an idea for a song at like midnight and then just like stay up layering things until six or seven in the morning or whatever whereas if you're doing it with a band there's a lot more organization involved to get like make sure everybody's around and not in work or not in college or whatever and you know rehearse the songs and then get them really tight and then record them whereas if if I'm recording on my own I can just do it at my own time and go over the top then when it comes to layering and overdubs and things um but like, yeah, they each have their merits. We recorded for the first time as a five piece last week. We went into Sun Studios for, for the day and um, the day after the album launch. So we were severely hungover and uh, we were reco- recording a cover of Remember You're a Womble by Mike Batt for okay. a covers album. So it was the first time that the gang was in a professional studio for the day. <clears throat> and we used the time very wisely to record a, you know, a long lost classic from oh. a children's show. Is this for record store gay? Are you allowed to say? Um, no, it's for it's for a charity album made by the Sound Training Center that they make every year. This year, the theme is animals um, because a womble isn't an animal. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> they clean up all the garbage from Wimbledon Common. I don't know about this. What? Have you never been to London? No, I haven't. Well, I haven't. They're everywhere. Over I've there. been to Wimbledon. And. <laughs> So yeah, is it actually a real animal? No, <laughs> damn it, Bob, damn it! <laughs> it is to me. Uh, so but yeah, it's my lovely horse charity. Uh, Neil Hannon and Kathy Davy, okay. who are putting it, the curating it or something. So yeah, they decided that the theme would be animals and didn't didn't argue with me when I said we were doing Remember Your Womble. So yeah, that should be fun. I don't know. I don't know exactly who else is on the album. I know Paddy did a song as well. I think like. Maybe Ham Sandwich and Duke Special and Riptide Movement and stuff like that might be on it. And there's going to be a launch gig at the start of May. Cool. The Button Factory. So is, is it kind of quick? You got it like done in, in the day. Yeah. Is it, easy, is it quicker to record with other people rather than on your own? Um, I don't know. I guess it depends how well you know the song. Like before we went in to the studio last Saturday, we hadn't actually played through the entire song as a five piece because it gets, there's a key change in the middle. And whenever we rehearsed it a couple of times, but we were busy like rehearsing for the album launch as well and learning songs off I Feel Magic. So we hadn't actually played the song the full way through, but we managed to get it down in the studio. I have to say it's like, (laughs) it sounded great. The unmixed version that we listened to at the end of the day after shouting, remember you're a womble for 13, 14 hours straight. It sounded very nice, and I'm looking forward to hearing the mixed version. I I do like the idea of the key change being like my lovely horse. <laughs> yeah, gonna... I can get this. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So um, yeah. So no, uh, you learned the ropes kind of with Grand Pocket Orchestra, and so like that was you know ten years, you know eight or ten years ago or something. Have you seen Jeez. kind of Dublin, the Dublin scene kind of change? A lot since then. That's a loaded question. You can take it whichever direction you want to. Yeah. Um, like for better or for worse? Or oh, for better, I'd say. Yeah. Well, like, it's better now than it was in 2008. Oh, I don't like. 
No, I, it's, that's that is a real weird question because it's like I've always, I I've always thought it was good. I mean, when you hear people saying, "Oh, like it was so bad twenty years ago" or something, like I feel like there's always going to be a load of terrible, terrible bands, but you can always find the ones that you like. So, like ten years ago, I, mean, I can't even remember who who was about, like it would have had like the immediate and um the gorgeous colors and uh i don't even i can't even think but like there would have been bands that i really enjoyed um but no there's probably more nowadays yeah in terms of mass like the popical island thing is is great um it's one of those things i feel kind of weird talking about how like good popical island is because i'm a part of it but yeah. but like the records that come out on popical island that i have nothing to do with no involvement in um are great and i'm i'm only friends with that whole gang from being fans of theirs and from like playing gigs together and stuff so it's not like i'm just bigging up my friends when i say that popical island is a really good thing um but yeah did popical island kind of come out of the kind of grand pocket orchestra kind of split in different directions that was around 2010 mm, as well wasn't it um yeah i think no popical island started completely independent of any of us uh like me or patty or mark or they're gonna explain it a little bit just um i i almost i, I wasn't hard to keep up i wasn't there for the start it's, from what i gather um land lovers yeah deadlies and groom were three kind of just individual indie rock indie pop groups playing around dublin and <clears throat> i guess they just bumped into each other at gigs and became friends and stuff and thought that because they play kind of a similar genre of music, but not necessarily one that is popular or kind of widespread, that I think they just decided that if the three of them got together and put a kind of stamp onto it and called it Popical Island, um, that it might be better for for many reasons. So, so yeah, then they put out the first compilation, which was just them putting a shout out to like friends and friends of friends. And that's where we got involved. I think there was a Grand Pocket Orchestra and a No Monster Club song in the first compilation. But that was the first that I'd ever met any of those, like Pork, Pork, or the other Pork, or Mike, or any of that gang. Um, so yeah, then we, then we jumped on board because they were doing something that was, you know, similar to what we were doing. And they were going for the whole, like, just kind of like an Elephant Six or kind of... Uh, Sarah Records or C86 Flying Nun kind of thing they wanted to get going I guess so have a similar kind of sound yeah like you hear Popical Island you know what kind of exactly yeah. band you're gonna get yeah so it's not necessarily a label but it's that kind of old-fashioned thing where you know somebody would be a fan of a record label and they would know that the other bands on the label would be something that they'd be into too as opposed to nowadays where labels would be like you know shitloads of completely different bands where you wouldn't be able to you know, buy a T-shirt that said the label on the front on, on the T-shirt because they could have some terrible, terrible bands mm -hmm. on the roster as well. So, like, is have you released on Popical Island? Or the, the yeah, the 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 last two Nomadic Club albums have come out on Popical Island. I feel mad. I feel magic, and people, people are weird. weird. Yeah, they uh, people are weird came out with Popical Island and Mirror Universe over in the states on cassette, and then. I Feel Magic came out with Popical Island and Already Dead Records over in the States on cassette. So, um, yeah, Popical Island's good. It, it's kind of nice to kind of have that as kind of them supporting you, I guess, rather than you just kind of 
going at it alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it is. Like, I mean, in releasing an album on Popical Island, it would still be me doing, like, the annoying administrative work and so on. But having the Popical Island stamp definitely means, like, people are weird, got reviewed in the Irish Times. And I don't think, like, no previous No Monster Club albums had been, like, I would have sent them in. But I don't think they probably would have put them in the bin. But I think maybe seeing Popical Island made whoever was reviewing things like say, oh, this is Popical Island. But so like in terms of that, in terms of having a sort of brand recognition or whatever it is um, <laughs> for industry talk, um, I think that's helpful. Yeah, not just in terms of getting reviewed in the Irish Times. Do you find it weird getting, re- getting reviewed in the first place, I guess, and like getting reviewed in the Irish Times? Uh. Like people just kind of writing about you and saying, this is my opinion, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I like reading reviews to see what people make of They've of been the positive records. reviews. As well. Yeah, I feel Magic hasn't hasn't gotten any um, negative reviews and people are weird got one, um, which <laughs> which was, of all the reviews that that album got, was the one that I enjoyed the most because it just made me laugh a lot. And so... Somebody who hates I Feel Magic, please do a review of it um, and send it to me. Yeah. I want to hear why you hate it. <laughs> um, so it's, am I right in saying it's your fifth or your sixth al- No Monster Club album? Um, I, I genuinely don't know. Because this is where the prolific yeah. word comes into it. Like you, I, you've done five or six albums. I love, you're going to check like Spotify or something <laughs> and count your albums. Uh, I think the number 13 or 12 or 13 or something like that has been used around this one, but I'm not actually sure where that number came from. It's probably from the press release or something. So it could just all go back to be my fault. But yeah, no, hold on. No one's to club. You can take com. your time. Yeah, because I had a few things as Dublin Duck Dispensary first as well. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's it. So Dublin Duck Dispensary had seven things. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So between the two of these eighteen things, I don't know. So EPs, I, eight, no, eighteen things, including EPs. So I'd say that's probably twelve or thirteen albums. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> how, so, like, how does your creative process work? Because, like, the last album, "People Are Weird," came out pretty much this time last year, like March fourteenth or something, or that was when the launch gig was. Yeah. And. and uh, like the new album came out like two uh, two weeks ago or something. Yeah, we launched it last yeah. week. So like, when did you kind of stop with the last album and start thinking about this one, or is it just kind of all the time? Well, like people are weird. I would have finished recording in like September two thousand and fourteen, and it didn't come out until Fe- like February two thousand fifteen. Um, and it, so like that's. There was a lot of time in between. So like I thought, I thought that I feel magic would be out in like last September. I think I planned on bringing it out in last September, but I got distracted. Um, but I don't think an album a year is 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 that special. You don't? No, really? Yeah, most bands would. Well, as in like three years between a record is almost the norm. If for you're taking most. three years between a record, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know. That seems insane. So like, how do you, how do you work then? Is it just kind of like you record every idea that you have or every idea becomes a song? No, I've got, I've got a lot of unused stuff that I kind of 
give up on halfway or oh, else of course you did like a b-sides out or unreleased stuff as well <laughs> my, da- my dad album <laughs> yeah that was like loads of songs it was 46 on that one it was called posthumous hits and it was released under the guise or not under the guise but under the pretense that i had passed away and that these um like unfinished or no not unfinished but these recordings had been found you know in a shoebox under my bed or whatever and that my friends and family had lovingly compiled <laughs> um, but yeah that that was that album it, it, it didn't go down very well I don't think the, like, the album not the album but the, the, the story around it but like you know it, are there songs where you're like no that won't work for the next album or like I don't actually like that song anymore is it just kind of I've recorded a song onto the next song onto the next song no I'd, I'd work at them in groups so like I would record like demos onto my phone over whatever maybe I'd say like four or five months until there's probably about 50 demos there and then I'd take pieces from like all of them until I had about like the bones of like 10 or 12 songs or whatever makes up an album and then I'd just get to record in them and but then I'd concentrate on that whole batch so I wouldn't do like once like I know some people would do it song by song like would finish song and then move on to the next song but I'd record all of the say drums or whatever for a, for for the batch of songs and then move on to bass keyboards guitar and, and you do it all yourself at your gaff yeah well yeah uh I feel magic was recorded I guess 70% in my bedroom and tw- and 30% in in this very room yeah so I just I did vocals in here and then everything else I did in my bedroom so, like, do you feel any, um, what's the word, self-consciousness about, you know, showing people your songs? Or did you, like, in the initial days when you were initially started yeah. playing? Yeah, when I did Dublin Duck Dispensary, it was like an anonymous project, I suppose. It had a, My, a MySpace page and um, with no information about me. And that was just because I was a bit sheepish about people connecting me to these badly recorded songs that that people may or may not like. But, yeah, I guess I've got a bit more confidence over the years in in that stuff and gotten better, I guess, at writing songs and recording songs and I don't feel the need to do that anymore. How do you write? Is it kind of you just keep a notebook of ideas and, and that's how it is or is it is there some other magic routine? Um, melodies pop into my head and then I kind of string them together. Normally when I'm out walking or something and and, you know, the majority of them I would then listen back to and, and realize it's the melody from something like uh, that. I lovely horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the lift. And <laughs> yeah, so, but, but the ones that that I couldn't identify or link to <laughs> to something that already yeah. existed, then they will yeah go into the next batch of songs. And do you try and theme the records or like try and collect the 13 songs that kind of sound like they go well, most well together? Yeah, well, I, I just think because they came out, if they come in batches in like three or four month um, bursts that they would be interconnected anyway. Um, there's not a lot of, I guess there's not a mad load of range on a No Monster Club album, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, or, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have... Uh, a whole lot of kind of like here's the slow sad song then here's the the faster song they all kind of they they all string together well I think because they're all around the same tempo and have the same 
same same vibe behind them, I suppose. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the a couple of the songs, uh, just a couple of lyrics that caught my my eye. Charity shop slash slaughterhouse. One of the tracks. Uh, lyric goes: You should never form a band or invest in second hand. You deserve something better. Is that like close to the bone? Or are you just being like a hundred percent ironic? Um. You probably have, ex- like, is it speaking from experience? Um, I, 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 for that lyric in particular, I have to say it just fitted the rhyme. I don't oh. really know what it means. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I, but, thought of, I thought it was going to have, like, the big never form a bang, guys. You'll, you'll only be disappointed. Oh, well, I mean, there is that, too. I, <laughs> I mean, I wish, yeah, I, I wish I wasn't in a band. Um, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was doing something that was, um, that was, like, pay bills and so on and um, yeah it's, 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 it's i mean being in a band is a lot of fun and um, that's probably something that you've seen change so in the like the last 10 years like the abs like the absence of money i guess in in music i mean yeah it must it must be a little worse now i would say than it was when you like joined grand pocket orchestra yeah well i i never see money i have no idea does that like does it matter no uh no if it matters well then um, that's a very bad way to be in if it, if it matters. I mean, yeah, I make literally no money out of any of this stuff, so I'm just doing it for fun and as a as a means of expression. So, and if I was in it for any financial purposes, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be very happy with myself. Would you roll your eyes when you see bands who very much are in it for the money or in it or you know are very um, okay. kind of commercial about things? Yeah, big time. Would you be like, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. Do they even enjoy it? You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a massive yeah, bugbear of mine is, um, yeah, people putting a package together, like a, a marketable package that they think um, a certain, you know, audience or even a certain kind of like label will, will buy into. And the sad thing about it is it works. And I like when you see it work and it's just like, oh, what? Why would, why would you do this to yourself? Surely this, surely being a, a musician or being a songwriter is, is not about, you know, literally like wearing the right jacket, that kind of thing, as, the, as cliche and as depressing as it is, but like, you know, dressing in a certain type of clothes because some middle-aged uh, dude in a label office is going to be like, hey, they look cool. We should get them on our books. Have you ever, like, you've never thought about like getting a look or getting a absolutely not no you know like a a, a marketing campaign no <laughs> uh, no and I would no I'd 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 scoff if, if if anybody were to come on board or suggest that or anything like that but that's just me you know different strokes for different folks uh, you got to do what you love have fun and, and like you obviously love it yeah. yeah yeah well I mean recording stuff is like. I guess that's why I record so much stuff is that it's just really, really enjoyable to record things and to, you know, put down a drum track and then take out a keyboard and see what sounds good over it and, you know, just like take each instrument bit by bit. And every every time is just, it's just so much fun and um, looping things on, and, and layering things. And that is why I do it. And playing live is a different kind of fun with a lot more hassle and stress involved in it. So like often playing live isn't worth the hassle of playing live because the 30 or 40 minutes that you're up there is fun, but the amount of organization and promotion and all that nonsense that goes into the gig 
it's like, is it actually worth it for those 40 minutes of fun? But where when you're recording, there's no, there's no negative things. You don't have to lug your gear around. You can just open up your computer in your bedroom and, and press record. Playing live is another lyric I wanted to ask you about on Scion. You go onto Ferrara. God, that place was shite. I played to six people in a sports bar that night. Is that true? Uh, yes. Did that happen? Where's yeah. Ferrara? Italy? Italy. Um, yeah, I was doing a solo tour last February when People Are Weird came out and started off in Switzerland. And I had a blast in Switzerland because, well, that's the town that the song is, is uh, Sion in the south of France or south of Switzerland in the French part. And uh, it turned out that Carnival was on, which I had no idea about. So when I turned up, it was in full Carnival mode. People had masks on and there was like parades in the streets and bands, mar- like marching bands going around and stuff. And that's why that song has a kind of a marching band kind of feel to it. And yeah, the people in Sion were really, really nice and we had a good time and the gig was really fun and everything. And then the next day I went to Ferrara in Italy and Carnival wasn't happening there. And it was this weird kind of, I don't, I don't think I saw anybody under the age of like 50 there. I just felt really weird and out of place. And then I went along to the venue I was going to be playing and it was this English themed sports bar. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, they'd like Leicester City scarves and all this stuff hanging on the walls and they only served English beer. And I was going to be playing in the back room of the bar while there was a big match on in the main bar. Like by big match, I mean, I think it was like Juventus and Inter Milan or something like something big for Italy. So while I was playing, I think when I was playing, uh, I think I started off playing to about 12 people. And then by the, by the end, there was maybe six, which is where that lyric came from. Um, and then <laughs> I, you could hear in the front bar, like, you know, the hundred people in there watching the match. And it was horrible. So then after that gig, I went back to uh, the hotel they'd booked me into, which was, was a hotel where Na- Napoleon once stayed and like Verdi, the composer, lived there for a couple of years or something like that. But the hotel was completely deserted. I think I was the only person staying there. And it was so creepy and weird, like um, Overlook Hotel kind of vibes off it. And I ended up getting really freaked out about something. The The, the man who worked there, I was... I was kind of afraid of him and I ended up locking the door and um, and then I wrote Sion. That's where that song came from. <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to wake up. I, I genuinely thought it was going to be because mur- I locked the door because I was afraid this guy was going to kill me. <laughs> so I locked the door. But then I was thinking, then I was lying in bed thinking he fucking obviously has a master key, like locking the door is no good. But um, yeah, I think I might have even written something and put it somewhere um so that people would know who had killed me. Um, <laughs> if I left the clue. <laughs> but yeah, that's a listen to Sion, you'll hear a, a few <laughs> bits of this going through my head. Wow, you, li- you live to tell the tale. I don't know what was wrong with anyway. me that night. It was because I raided the mini bar. I went back and because it was being charged to the sports bar account, I had everything that was in the mini bar. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of Prosecco and stuff. And yeah, never again. Ferrara, bad place. But then after Ferrara, I went to Venice, I think. And that was like the best city I've ever been to in my life. So everything... Venice is amazing. Yeah. Everything turned out well in the end. Did you enjoy the uh, European tour? Yeah. Yeah? Overall, it was a good fun. I was on my own as well. So it's like, it's a completely different animal, obviously, to touring with the band. But um, I was, you know, traveling by train on my own. And um, it was nice. It was 
relaxing. It's like you do get a bit lonely and wish there was someone there, but it's the freedom of it and all that is nice too. So again, like recording on my own and recording with a band, it's nice to do them in combination so that you get the, the best of both worlds. Was was it like interrailing or something? Yeah, well, the first tour No Monster Club did of Europe with, it was me, Mark and Paddy. We literally got interrailing passes each because um, we were traveling from Switzerland to Italy to France to Spain. So it was cheaper to get the interrailing tickets. Um, but you can imagine, we didn't have to bring all of our gear, but we had instruments and stuff. And, you know, getting off at a at Milan train station and having three minutes to make your next train and having all this gear and trying to, you know, run across the platforms and everything. That, you know, can sometimes not be fun. But, um, yeah, it's all an adventure. How did it compare to the US tour? Was it kind of something similar? You you toured the US in September 2014? 14, yeah. That was our first time touring in a van, as bands are supposed to do. And um, so that was fun. We were touring with M Sword from Kalamazoo. We got um, we got partnered with this guy who we'd never met or never spoke to before. He was going to be our support act and his manager was going to be driving the van. And we were very afraid that he, you know, what if he's weird or what if he's a dickhead or, or you know, what could go wrong? But uh, we ended up becoming firm friends and... Then he came over to Ireland last year and played with us. And I think I'll be going back at some point to to play with him again over there. So we ended up forming this great relationship with M Sword. Cool. Who we took, So we did like 20 or 25 gigs with him across America. And yeah, it, was, it was the best time. Since we're talking about like playing in different countries and stuff, let's talk about the opening song to I Feel Magic, Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire. Is that like your ideal holiday destination? Have you been there? No, I, I, it's it's one of those places that I don't even know much about, and that's why it that's why I chose it because it's kind of it's it's so mysterious to, to me. I mean, I could do five minutes of research on it, but I haven't done. <laughs> so that song is sort of about just ditching wherever you're currently at and just you know kind of spinning the globe and putting your finger on a place and say, let's go there. But in the context of that song, yes, I'm heading off with David Blaine to the Ivory Coast in a sort of, uh, in my head, I'm picturing it like the the last scene in Hannibal, where Hannibal and Clarice get on the plane together. So it's like, it's that, except me and David Blaine. And we're going to Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, why not? So what is your ho- ideal holiday destination then? What's the, what's the country that you really want to go to? Um, I don't know. Uh, Venice. Yeah, I want to go back to Venice. I was only there for one day. I I really like America. It's, it's it's even though it's scary. France is like my favorite country. I think I'd like to go back to Sweden. Places I haven't been to, I'd probably like to go to Japan, New Zealand, and Nigeria. Okay, well you can make it happen. You want to go to Nigeria? Mm. Co- you can fit co- uh, Ivory Coast and <laughs> no on the way. Yeah, it's near enough. I suppose. It's next, <laughs> next to each other. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, will we leave it there? Yeah, I think that, that I think we've covered loads of stuff. We could. Go on, but... Whatever you like. Maybe, maybe another time. Um, so I Feel Magic, it's out on Popical Island now, available on record, yeah, it's, record tape? Yeah, it's on tape from Already Dead. It's on CD from Popical Island. It's on Bandcamp for download, and you can also be a dirty little rascal and listen to it on Spotify if you like. And any more gigs coming up? You, you launched it in the Bellow Bar last week yeah no we have no gigs coming up please offer us gigs we we, know we're putting together an irish tour for may or june it would be nice to play some festivals but uh 
we don't seem to be in the clique that you need to be in to play festivals. So festival bookers, please shoot me a line. <laughs> We're ending on a bit of a downer there. Yeah, please. <laughs> please, I want to play a festival. Why, why don't you like this? Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening to The Point of Everything. You can uh, yeah, subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we'll talk next time. <laughs>